wanted to just share briefly tonight on what it means to be family and to have family. You know, everybody is looking for love. They're looking for a sense of belonging. We're celebrating family this week. I saw David and Ruth Ridley, uh, Pastor David and Pastor Ruth up in Darwin. They had a little girl on Friday, Shekinah Joy. Hallelujah. And uh, I know Candace is due tomorrow. So we're seeing babies coming, natural family happening, people getting engaged. Hallelujah. People getting married. We're seeing... Um, Mothers and fathers and children and, the, and, and what family looks like. And people long. They long for family. And for, for some, it, they might think, well, family is just being married and having children. No, family means belonging. And, and belonging to something that is, is stronger uh, than, than just a mere friendship. It's what God intended for us in the beginning in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, you know, most of you who know me would know that this is one of my absolute all-time uh, favorite apostolic prayers in the Word of God. And I love to pray the Bible, love to pray apostolic prayers, because the Bible tells us that whatever we ask according to the will of God, we can have, right? And so when you, when you read a prayer that's for all the saints and you begin to come into agreement with it, you, you know that the Bible's already said you can have it, so it's... Wow, to me, that is just so exciting. So I prayed this prayer for years and years um, and have just seen God continuously reveal more and more revelation of his heart to me. And it changed my life. But Ephesians 3.14, I want to uh, just read something, read it to you with a slightly different um, emphasis today. This is, this is the prayer. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now this scripture is something that I latched onto when I heard a testimony of someone's life had, uh, that had been changed as a result of praying this because I was a very insecure person. Though I, I had given my life to Christ, I really still um, wasn't experiencing the fullness of his love. And I was always looking for people's approval and feeling like I was never measuring up. And so I began, when I discovered this prayer, I began to pray this in faith, believing I was going to get it. I remember I recorded it. It was back in the days when people still used a thing called cassette tapes. And um, I'd record it and I'd play it in the car and I'd get down by my bed and I personalized it and I prayed it. And I expected that God was going to do it. And I tell you, my life was turned absolutely upside down in a wonderful way. God took me from being so insecure to be causing me to truly in reality, become rooted and established in his love, where my, uh, my sense of identity, my uh, security was not found in whether or not I was 
doing okay or whether people thought well enough of me, but it became rooted and grounded in how he felt about me. And I began to truly, deeply know the love that passes human understanding. It wasn't just a theoretically, yeah, I know he loves me. Jesus loves me. Everybody knows that. You know, the Bible tells me so. It was he loves me. He loves me because he's revealing it continuously by his spirit every day. More and more, he's making, the, making me realize the truth that he's living in my heart, that he loves me, that I've been adopted into his family. He's revealing more and more of his love for me, the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, the extravagance, the unfair kindness of his amazing love for me. And so it's a special Special prayer for me. But looking at it today, it says here that he would grant you according to the riches of, uh, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go back. Verse 14. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. It begins with the fact that when you come into the kingdom of God, you belong to a huge and glorious family. You are adopted in and you are made one of the family. I loved Sarah's word today that it's not a clubhouse religion. It's not something that you, uh, you know, go through an initiation and you can achieve something or you pay a, a, a fee to get in. You are brought in through a free gift, the free gift of salvation. And when you humble yourself and receive what you can have no part in earning, when you realize, thank you, Jesus, you've set me free from sin and I receive your salvation, you are adopted into true family. I didn't realize fully um, some of the way of thinking of uh, Buddhist mentalities when I was in Cambodia. I had the joy of um, ministering in New Life Fellowship, which is one of the biggest churches in Cambodia on the Sunday. We saw a lady who had been uh, born deaf in one ear. She was 31 years old. God just opened up her ear. And at first she could hear a little bit. Then we prayed again and then she could hear perfectly clearly and was overjoyed. Um, and I shared the message on righteousness. I shared a message on what it looks like uh, to receive the righteousness of God, to be the, the just who live by faith. Uh, but afterwards, they were explaining to me how significant that message really is in a culture where they're taught about, um, you know, continually having to pay for their sins. And if they don't pay for it in this life, they're going to pay for it in the next life. And if they don't pray for their relatives enough, those relatives are going to come and their spirits are going to do something bad to them. And so they're always trying to make sure that they're doing okay, hoping that maybe they'll do enough not to be coming back as a cockroach. And yet you come and you tell them that someone's paid for your sins. And it's, it's glorious news. It's glorious news to know, hey, Christ has come to set us free, not only uh, to, to take away our past sins and then see how we go, but to give us power now to live in righteousness, to walk in holiness, hallelujah, to be there for us, to never, uh, to never let us go, but to walk with us and to have us as part of his family. This unconditional love is just an overwhelmingly glorious good news. Hallelujah. So we've been adopted into family. Amen? Yeah. 
And then he says, he prays that the Holy Spirit will strengthen us in, in our inner being, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That means every day we've got to have faith that he's living in us. That's why we reckon ourselves dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ. The just shall live by faith. Faith is something we actually have to apply. This walk, this relationship is not some passive thing. It is a two-way relationship. You, made in the image of God, are continually engaging your free will to, by faith, be in him. By faith, walk in righteousness. By faith, having him dwelling in our hearts and remembering, thank you, Jesus. I can reckon myself dead today, not because I've done away with myself and I've dealt with my flesh enough, but because I agree with God that when he died, I died. Thank you, God. I remember no longer Catherine who lives, but Christ who lives in Catherine. Thank you, Jesus. And as I examine him and get to know more about him through the knowledge of him, through intimacy with him, I discover what he's like. And as I discover what he's like, I discover what I'm like, because now as he is, so am I in this world. Hallelujah. And that's what freedom looks like. Instead of the struggle of, oh, trying to be better, trying to be good, realizing, thank you, God, you delivered me from me. Hooray. Thank you, God. No longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And now as he is, so am I. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Hallelujah. Christ may dwell in your hearts through... Faith. Oh, that was a little soft. Christ may dwell in your hearts through that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. There's something uh, glory. I mean, God is wanting continually to surprise you with his kindness. He is amazing in the way that he loves. He is so extravagant and so unfair and so consistent in his kindness. But he says, with all the saints, there's an element of the love of God that can only be experienced in family. God wants, he never created us to be all by ourselves. He never wanted us to be, yeah, it's just me and Jesus, you know, I don't need anybody. No, you need your brothers and sisters. You need the family. And God created you to be in family. He is family. God is one, but God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, one, one God, family. He says, as we are one, Lord, let them be one. As I am in you and you in me and they in me, it's like God's looking for us to experience what he experiences every day in in the, the Trinity. He's invited us in, hallelujah, to be one with him, to be part of him. We're not meant to do it alone. God's not looking for you to, to uh, put on some victim mentality that I alone am left. When Elijah did that, oh, I alone am left. God went, actually, I've reserved 10,000. There are... There are a few of you. you know, even when you think you're all by yourself, God is there saying, hey, get over your sweet self. I have a family and you're part of it. And I want you to wake up and see it and experience it. Hallelujah. If you're struggling with depression, 
like Elijah was that day. Don't go getting into the, woe is me, I alone am left, nobody else understands. No, go and find your family. Because family is designed to help you experience an aspect of the love of God that you can't experience any other way. Hallelujah. That's why he says, now, don't forsake the fellowshipping of, of the believers. He doesn't say that because he's trying to create some rules for you to follow. He knows and loves you and understands that this is what you were created for. You were created for fellowship with God and fellowship with one another so that the world would see what he looks like in the way that you love each other. Hallelujah. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God sets the solitary in families. So if you think, well, this is not a message for me. I'm single. I've got news for you. God sets the solitary in families. He wants you to, to realize that not only do you belong to this heavenly family, you also belong to an earthly family that is found and named by the Lord Jesus Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. And every joint supplies. And God wants you to begin to discover what it looks like uh, to, to understand and experience the love of God through one another. And that means learning how to bear with one another's weaknesses. Learning how to, to receive from one another. John 13.35 says this. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So how does he love us? We're not just to love each other like, I love you because you're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. Hello, brother. Hello, sister. Yes, I love you with, I love you with the love of the Lord. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about you doing your spiritual obligation. Yes, I love everybody. He's looking for you to love one another like he loves us. That's impossible. That is an impossible thing to do. It's a supernatural thing. You can't love God with your own human strength. You can't, I mean, you can't love each other with the love that God has for you with your own, super, your own human strength. You need supernatural help. That's why we have to walk by faith. God wants us to be experiencing his love and then in faith releasing that same supernatural love to other people around us. Amen. Amen. But it also means we need to discover what we have. You see, faith, for me to, to do something by faith, I've got to be able to see it. In other words, to be the righteous who live by faith, I've got to know what righteousness is. Otherwise, how do I apply faith to walk in it? If I want to um, see someone healed in the name of Jesus, I, I need, by faith, I need to be... Um, seeing in, with the eyes of my sanctified imagination what it's going to look like when they get healed in order to apply faith to what I want to see happen. If I'm going to love somebody else with the love of God, I need to be able to know supernaturally, spiritually, what it is that I'm going to apply my faith to in order to love. 
See, it's not something that happens accidentally or incidentally. God is calling us to love sincerely from the heart with deep affection that comes and flows from him. He's looking for us to be experiencing his love so that we can then supernaturally in faith love one another. It's on purpose. It's deliberately. So when I get up in the morning, we've been talking about this a lot, reminding ourselves what we look like. If any man's a hearer of the word, says in the book of James, and not a doer, it's because he's like a man who looked in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. So when I wake up in the morning, I need to remind myself of what I look like. Reckon myself dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ. Remind myself that I look like him. What does he look like? He is kind. Therefore, I am kind. I'm not trying to be kind, but I am kind. Hallelujah. In the same way, in order for me to fulfill this new command of Christ, to love one another as he loves me, I need supernatural help to do that, and I need to do it on purpose. So I need to deliberately look at what that love looks like so that I can apply faith to be able to walk in it. I need to think about how does he love me, and then how does that... how. What does that love look like so that I can apply that in faith to loving other people? Well, we know what love looks like by reading about who God is. Jesus told us what the Father looked like. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the friend of sinners. He said, "If you let me explain to you what the Father's like. And he told the story of the prodigal son. The son that had walked away, spent everything that he had, uh, demanded from the father of his early inheritance on gambling and prostitutes and drinking. And when he ran out of money, he decided, well, I don't want to just keep eating these um, leftovers of the pig food. I'll go home. Maybe he'll give me a job. He's a good person. He'll probably give me a job. I know I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. But as he walked home, as he, from a distance, from a long way off, the father was looking and he saw him. And the moment he saw him, he ran towards him, wrapped his arms around and kissed him, gave him a robe and a ring. And he didn't demand an apology for him before he'd speak to him. He was lavishing love on him before the son could even get the words out of his mouth. Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And the father didn't go, well, yes, no, you're not really. Um, so we probably should, you know, just take this slow and see how it goes. He didn't do that. It was almost as if he, he didn't hear it. He just was like, my son, you're here. Come on, lavish love on him. Let's have a party. Give him everything. This is my right, my authority. This is, uh, he just lavished love on him. That's how the father loves. That's how he loves Every one of us. Jesus said, it's it spoken of him. He said, a bruised reed he wouldn't break. A smoldering wick he wouldn't snuff out. Yet for some of us, we get the idea to love our brothers and sisters is to tell them where they're going wrong and to sort them out. If we are learning what it looks like to receive the love of God, we'll begin to treat one another differently. Instead of judging one another, instead of fault finding, 
We'll enter into that love that always hopes, always believes, that believes the best. Hallelujah. Love that is so uh, sincere and real that even when the, the truth is spoken in love, it will be experienced in a way that brings joy uh, to the hearer. Hallelujah. God is looking for us to love one another like he loves us so that people can experience the love of God. It's his goodness and kindness that leads us to repentance. If we're starting to say, if our um, love for God is starting to grow cold, he doesn't come and punish us to make us love him more, to get us back on track. This is not the way that God works. Yes, he disciplines us at times, but his discipline is so good that you thank him for it. But if you're starting to, to go, go grow cold in your love, the way the father responds is to, to show more of his love to you, to call to you, to reveal more and more of his kindness to you until your heart melts and you go, yes, God, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. It's the way that he is. A bruised reed, he doesn't go, you pathetic, you bruised reed. <laughs> Or, or a smoldering rick, oh, you're just making a whole lot of smoke. Snuff that out. He doesn't. He breathes on it until it comes back into life. He makes the flame come back again. He doesn't sit there and criticize the smoldering wick. You are useless. You are, you are supposed to be the light of the world, and all you're doing is creating all this black smoke. Who do you think you are, you pathetic thing? Sort your life out. Yet sometimes we think that that's how God deals with us. And then the way that we believe God loves us is the way that we will love others. That's why we need a revelation of the true height, depth, width and breadth of Christ's love. Because with the same measure that you love him and uh, with the same measure that you believe and receive the love that he has for you is the same measure you'll give to others. If you're hard on yourself, if you're critical on yourself, if you're always condemning yourself, if you're always uh, uh, being critical of yourself, you're going to be critical of other people. But if you humble yourself and let him love you when you know very well you don't deserve it and you open your heart wide to receive the kisses of heaven that he wants to give, your heart breaks. <gasps> And every day you want to give your whole life afresh to him. You just want to lay more before him. And you find the delight of living in him. And then you, when you are in faith going to love other people as he loves you, you understand what that looks like. And you have the capacity to attach your faith to what is true and what is real. Amen. I believe the Father wants every one of us, single, married, old or young, to be experiencing the true love of family. You know, I, I watched uh, this team of 60 people. They came from all different uh, denominations. But, and they were busy. I mean, there was, it was busy time. And they were working very, very hard. But I watched the way that they would interact and be deliberate just to be showing love to one another. And, and it just reminded me of the truth of what real family looks like. You know, everyone, old and young, uh, God in them wants to reveal himself to other people. And you need to approach people with the understanding that there's something that I can learn from them. Hallelujah. There is an aspect of the love of God that 
that I can experience through my brother or my sister. And when we begin to value one another, then we begin to experience and receive the reward that God has for us. Just as we receive a prophet in the name of a prophet and we receive a prophet's reward, you receive a brother or a sister in the name of a brother or a sister and you're, you're loving them with the love of the Lord, then you open your heart to be able to receive from them. Now, it's easy to see the things that you don't like. It's easy to see the personalities you don't like. It's easy to see and be critical. But God's not looking for us to look at each other like that. He's not looking for us to be judgmental and critical. When God looks at us, he doesn't look at you and highlight your weaknesses. He speaks to the truth of your identity. So if we're to love one another, then we need to be looking at each other and speaking to the truth of their identity and genuinely expecting to receive from them as someone who is created in the image of Christ. That way, the young can learn from the old. The old can learn from the young. There are people who've lived many, many decades and have life experience that if only uh, younger ones would take the time to, to listen and interact and talk to them, they would learn things that would save them many years of heartache. You know, if you only interact with your own little peer group and your own, uh, you surround yourself with only with people the same age as yourself or uh, with the same life experience as yourself, you miss out on the richness of the family that God's put with you, put for us to experience. God wants us to begin to learn what love looks like, and He wants to do it on a really broad and glorious way. He wants us to learn what it looks like to. Um, instead of summing people up in a moment and, and deciding, well, they've got no use to me, no value to my life, I, I don't have anything to learn from them, he's wanting you to repent and begin to step in by faith to his love for you and by faith begin to love one another so that you can begin to open your eyes and the eyes of your understanding to begin to experience the love of Christ that God wants to bring through the whole family. Hallelujah. I believe the Holy Spirit wants a revolution in family this year. The prophets have been saying 2018 is the year of family. Well, it's more than just a nice fuzzy feeling. I believe that there's a supernatural invitation to begin to experience the love of Christ in a, in a broader and a deeper and a richer way than we've ever understood before. Amen. And it's an invitation waiting for your response. You know, it, people, people I've, I, I used to be one because I was so hard on myself. I was always internally a little bit critical of other people, which made it impossible to be able to really receive. But when I began to experience the love of Christ and his kindness for me, then I began to love people deeply from my heart. And instead of seeing faults, I began to see the fire of the love of God. I began to see uh, how God cared about people and, and everything changed. The gates of my heart opened to him and they opened also to the family. God wants to empower you to receive the God who says mercy triumphs over judgment. Hallelujah. He wants to open your heart to begin to receive the love of God that makes no rational sense, that is beyond human comprehension and that undoes you with his incredible lavish kindness. I want to be known 
by the love that I have for each for for my brothers and sisters. I, and the the Father wants us as a body, as a family, as a fellowship, to be known by our love. God is inviting us into this glorious invitation of supernatural fellowship. Hallelujah. So I'm gonna uh, we're gonna pray for some people in just a moment. And then we're going to take communion together. And that's an invitation for you to be able to step in by faith into this supernatural love and to uh, break bread together and have communion. We also have that on Tuesday night is our very first uh, dinner and prayer for the year. Uh, Tom and I love coming to that. Everyone brings some food. Meredith's a particularly good cook. Hallelujah. I'm vegan except for Tuesday nights. When she makes lamb, it's really good. Hallelujah. We invite you to bring some food. We're going to eat together for an hour and then we pray together and it's awesome. Uh, but it, it's important that we also um, learn what it looks like to intentionally do that together, uh, individually. When we're leading people to Christ on the streets, we are in, it, the heart of the Father is that they would be invited into community, into family, that they'd be connected into a family. Hallelujah. God's looking for us not to be um, having an orphan mentality where you've got a few paid people organizing programs for people to connect, but instead where we organically, naturally, by faith, supernaturally step into a vibrant community that loves one another really well and looks to receive the love of Christ and to give the love of Christ to each other as a family. Amen. But tonight I want to invite you, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, that all sounds very well. There is an invitation for every person to respond to the Father's open arms to say, I want you to be in fellowship with me. When Jesus was born, the angels announced, peace on earth and goodwill to men. He was celebrating the fact that he was making a way for man to be joined to God. We can't be joined to God and be unholy. So he came to take away all of our sin, all of our crookedness and give us new hearts and make us clean and holy and pure. Hallelujah. He came to give us his righteousness so that we could give him our sin and receive in exchange his righteousness, our crookedness for his glorious nature. Hallelujah. And as we open our hearts and respond to the mercy of Christ and say, I need forgiveness. I need mercy. Come into my life. Be my rescuer. He comes in and he dwells in your heart and he gives you a, a supernatural revelation that you belong and that both now and for all eternity, you are part of his family, that, that you, you come together. It's called salvation and it happens by being born again, not of the flesh, but of his spirit, the spirit of Jesus Christ. When we say, Lord, I believe you came, you gave your life. You suffered and you died and you took my punishment to pay for my sins. You died and you rose again. And right now, Lord, I open my heart and I say, I need that mercy. I need your forgiveness. I need your transformation. I receive your gift of mercy. Come into my life and make me new on the inside. And when you do that, it's not just words. The Father's there going, I've longed for this all your life. 
He waits for that opportunity to come and show himself real and to embrace you as part of the family. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why he sent his son. But we also have a freedom to choose. Every day to choose. And we need to choose life or death, whether we want to receive the mercy of Christ, come into his family, exchange our sin for his righteousness, or whether we want to walk alone. Tonight, if you're here and you know in your heart, I want to respond to the mercy of Jesus. I want to, I want to get that salvation. I want to belong to the family of God. I want to come in and respond and say yes to Jesus. I want to pray with you before we take communion together. If that's you and you say, yes, I want to receive the mercy of Christ. I want to be born again today. Let me see your hand and I want to pray for you. Is anybody here that says, yes, that's me? Just wave your hand at me if that's you. Is anyone here that says, yes, I see you. That's beautiful, sir. Anybody else that says, that's me? I want that. Let me see your hand. Is anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. It's such a wonderful, yes, I see you. That's beautiful. Hallelujah. Anybody else that says, yeah, that's me. I want that today. I want, I don't want to play games. I want to exchange my life for his life. And I want to be saved. I want to, I want to step into family. I want to receive his mercy. Yes, I see you. It's so beautiful. God bless you. I celebrate. Anybody else that says, yeah, that's me. I want that. I want to do that today. Let me see your hand. Oh, I can feel the love of God for you. His love for you is so intense. He values you more than you could ever comprehend. So much so that he gave his life for you. You are so valuable to him. If you, if you just raised your hand and you'd like to come, I, I, I would really love to pray with you right now. Would, would you come? I'd love to pray for you if you'd like to come. Please come. Why don't you give them a hand as they come? Would you come? Yeah, that's so beautiful. Come on. Just come and stand here. I just want to see you. I want to pray with you. Let's, let's come together. We'll just pray together. Can you reach your hands out to these precious ones? Oh, Papa. You're so good. And you care about each one of us so much. Would you pray this after me out loud? Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be punished in my place. I believe that he died and rose again. Right now, Lord, I bring you my life. I bring you my past. I bring you my heart. And I give it to you. Have mercy on me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your spirit. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. I declare Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen.